Thank you. Our second 10 minute speaker is Rother. Hi, my name's Rother. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, I got sober December 5th, 2015. I have a sponsor. I offer myself for sponsorship to others. And I've been through the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I am a member of the Atlantic Group. Um, I want to say a million things. But first, I want to express gratitude. Uh, I'm grateful to have found the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, I'm grateful to all the people in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous who uh, have picked up the phone for me, who have had their faces on Zoom screens for me, and everything in between that. Um, and on a really strange note, I'm grateful to COVID uh, because I get to make it to more Atlantic Group meetings than I ever did before. Um, I can, I no longer have an hour and a half commute to get to the Tuesday night AG, which is awesome. Uh, what it was like, I drank alcoholically from the start. Uh, growing up, I, you know, I saw my father and my godfather and my mother drink to excess. Um, my father would drink a handle of scotch every other night. I remember that because my mother would take me to the liquor store across the street to get him his scotch. Um, and when I was approaching high school, I said, oh, I'll never be like that. I never want to do that. I never want to do those things. And the second I put alcohol into my system, those principles went out of the window and a new set of principles were instilled in me. Uh, I was never the smartest kid, the richest kid, the most athletic kid, the coolest kid, the best looking kid. I was, you know, I was just kind of run of the mill. Uh, but I could drink more than everyone else at 14. And I immediately felt like a rock star. And I chased that feeling through high school. Um, I attempted to go to college, but that didn't work out because I was too busy drinking. Um, you know, I got a job at a bar and that was, that was like genius. I now get free liquor. I get paid to drink that liquor and serve it to other people. So people want to be around me and be in awe of me because I serve them alcohol. And, you know, I can drink all the time and everybody thinks it's normal. And I thought it was normal. I did not know at the age 22 that I should not be blackout drunk five nights a week. I did not know that. Um, and since coming into AA, I've learned that I don't know a lot of things. Uh, I don't know a lot and I have to stand by that. Uh, so I kept drinking and consequences started happening. Uh, I've been arrested numerous times for drunken behaviors. Um, I've been hospitalized 
several times for reasons that I don't know, because from the time that I started drinking to the time that I ended up in the hospital, I don't remember. Uh, somewhere in there, I discovered other substances. Those things allowed me to drink more. And, you know, I chased, I chased that feeling for a long time. Um, I ended up managing a nightclub at the age 28. And when I first got there, I had a set of principles. And within a couple of months, uh, certain types of individuals had convinced me that I don't need those principles, but I needed what they had. And, you know, I was drinking in excess all the time and doing more ridiculous things. Uh, I thought I was the life of the party. I come to find out that I was a clown. Uh, people were laughing at me. You know, I, I started to find more consequences. Um, you know, at one point I wake up in a hospital and the nurse tells me that I have renal failure. That means my kidneys were failing. Um, I think I just got a text that it's been five minutes. Okay. Uh, I need to speed it up then. Uh, so I'm managing this nightclub and I get fired because I stayed there overnight drinking a bottle of Johnny Walker and into the next day and into the next shift. I never went home and the owner comes in and sees me and says, get out, you're done. Um, and I quickly realized I'm broke. I'm jobless, uh, I'm friendless, I'm familyless, uh, because I've pushed everyone and everything away that didn't want to have the fun that I had. Um, so what's there left for a guy like me to do but to go to AA, you know, and I start going to some meetings way out in Queens, and it's like this really old-fashioned smoke cigarettes before the meeting, drink coffee, I'll pick you up, I'll drive you to the meeting tomorrow, I'll drop you off, I'll bring you home, we'll go get coffee at the diner, and guys with 30 years driving me around, and in a couple of months, I was like, I got this, I got this, I don't need this, and it got worse. I started doing things that I never thought I would do, um, you know, things that the people who sold me those things told me not to do, but it all started with alcohol. It never stopped. The alcohol was always the thing. I chased it. I, I, I wanted to manage restaurants instead of bars because that would protect me. And five years later, I come out of a blackout walking through the streets of a city I'd never been to before. And I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. I give up. I gave up. I had nothing else in me. I had no other ideas. I had no other ideas, uh, but I still had an idea. So I was like, oh, I'll get a better job. Um, but something inside of me told me I should go to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I did. And when I sat down in the chair, the chairperson, this was in lower Manhattan, he came up to me, it was at lunchtime and he was wearing a cowboy hat. He says, how much time do you have? And I looked at my watch. I literally said, I have an hour and a half for lunch. And he said, no, how much overtime do you have? And I said, two days. He's like, great, just stay in that chair. And I did. And I just kept going to that room 
until I started to not hate myself entirely. Uh, I started letting people talk to me. I thought the idea of anonymity meant that I didn't tell people my name. Obviously, I'm very special. I have a special name. I'm super important. So I was like, no, 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 no. I've got to keep this a secret. My name's Robbie. Uh, but eventually I, you know, I, I let on. Uh, people kept asking me, do you have a sponsor? Do you have a sponsor? Finally, you know, I said to the co-chair of sponsorship at that meeting, uh, what, what do I have to do to get a sponsor? Like, what does it take? He's like, I'll give you phone numbers. I've got a book. And he gave me a random phone number. I wrote it in the back of my meeting book and I never looked at it again. Two weeks later, I walk into that meeting. I'm about eight minutes late because I'm an alcoholic and, you know, I don't have consideration for other people's time. And this kid is speaking and he's telling my story. I identify with every word that comes out of his mouth. And after the meeting, I go up to him and I said, hey, um, you, you got room for another sponsee? I, I didn't know how to ask people things. One minute. Uh, and he said to me, of course. Uh, do you have a phone? And I said, yeah. And I took my phone out. I started writing down his number and his name. And he says to me, I said to him, I was like, wow, check this out. And I opened up that meeting book and I show him his name and his phone number had been given to me two weeks prior and I did not call this person and I still ended up working with him. He brought me to the Atlanta group. He had me do a first step. He had me do a second step, a third step, a fourth step. He took me through these painful realizations to get me to a point where I was literally gifted the fact that I no longer wanted to drink alcohol. I remember that moment. It was, it was a huge blessing. Um, I am so grateful for the opportunity to have spoken here today. That is my time. Good evening. My name is Kim. Main speaker this evening is Jen. Good evening, everyone. My name is Jen, and I'm an alcoholic. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, thank you to the speakers who um, who also spoke tonight. And um, before I start, I just want to say um, a very warm welcome to um, all the folks who are counting days. A very warm welcome to anyone who's new um, and to anyone who's coming back. And also to anyone who's, you know, having a hard time today and struggling. Um, Thank you for being here. Um, I'm going to just switch my screen so I can't see myself. Okay, that's better. <laughs> um, my sobriety date is November 16th, 2004. So last month I celebrated my sweet 16 um, years of sobriety, um, which when I got here, if I heard someone say that, I, I just, I don't know, I thought people were lying. When they said that, I was like, how could that be possible. Um, my sponsor is Linda L. Um, she's a member of this group and my home group is in Brooklyn, the No Serenity Till Brooklyn group. So um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I was like. I 
grew up in kind of a small town um, in Long Island. There was lots of drinking. My parents grew up in the town um, where I grew up and went to high school there. And it was a pretty tight knit community, lots of drinkers. Um, there was lots of drinking in my home. Um, and, you know, but it's everything was, you know, amazing um, until you know, there were a few different traumatic events in my family um, that were very difficult. And so, and I was the oldest of my, you know, uh, at the time, three siblings. And um, I just took it all really, really hard. And so from the time I was little, I just really felt like, um, you know, the, 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 the cards were stacked against me and it didn't make sense because when I was really little, my parent, we would go to church and we had sort of a loose, I don't know, I had a somewhat of a religious background and I was really into it. And as these, you know, family tragedies started happening, I um, really lost my faith. Um, I didn't think that, you know, um, I just didn't feel cared for or loved by really anyone I felt lonely. Um, and until I was, you know, 13, maybe I was 14, I was 13. I don't even remember. I was so young, um, that I started drinking. I started drinking with some friends. We were really young. There was a group of boys that came walking up the driveway. It was like something out of a John Hughes movie. You know, I started drinking and I felt great and I felt like I fit in, I felt like, you know, I just felt like one of the crowd. And I really desperately wanted that because the time I felt like no one else's parents were divorced. No one else had to call their cops. No one else, you know, no one else's sibling um, was diagnosed with all these cognitive disabilities that really rocked the family. So, um, you know, once alcohol came into the picture, I, you know, I was good to go. And I felt like everyone else, life of the party. Um, and so that's kind of how I navigated high school, um, which I pretty much hated. But, you know, um, once I, you know, I was fortunate enough to go to college. Um, and I really, the only reason I wanted to go to college was to get out of my mom's house. So was able to do that, got to college. And I was like, these people are amateurs. I was a pro. Um, I, you know, showed people the ropes with, you know, drinking, other substances were involved. I'm not going to talk about those. Um, but, you know, from a very early, I mean, I think I was 18 when I got to college, um, drinking was the centerpiece, you know, and I thought I was a pro. P.S. I was sexually assaulted in my first week of college and there was no way I was going to go home. So I just, you know, kept it moving. Um, that probably should have been a red flag to me that, that I was not okay. And something was not okay that I would choose, you know, just being able to stay at college and not reporting that to, you know, saying what happened and going home. But that wasn't even a consideration. I had to stay, had to stay there, had to do my thing. And, you know, at the end of the four years, which, you know, I did graduate, um, I really liked school, turns out. <laughs> I liked partying even more, but, um, you know, as it was coming to an end, I, I didn't have the wherewithal or the maturity to really acknowledge just how frightened 
I was at, at the end, you know, as, as college was coming to a close. And so some friends and I stayed after graduation, like stayed in the town where the college was for like three days and just like drank all day and all night long for three full days. Got home with 20 bucks. <laughs> I was telling my sponsor about this earlier. Got home with a college degree, $20 in my pocket. I was like, hmm, I better get a job. So I went back to the job, back to the summer job that I'd had, um, you know, folding clothes. I, they were like, if you ever want a job, please come back. I was like, I'm going to have my college degree. I'm going to be good. Went right back, um, got that job again. And then, you know, from there, just started leapfrogging across the United States so that I could just keep partying. Um, why did I move across the country? Because I there was someone, you know, who I'd met who told me that I was attractive and he looked like he was in a rock band. And so I just I quit my job and moved across the United States with this person I knew for two months. So once I did that, you know, in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, I would I see myself living in California. I would love to move to the West Coast. I grew up in New York. Like I said, you know, this will be great. Um, so it seemed like a good idea. And when I got there, the sheer misery was, it was astounding. It was astounding how, how quickly and how small my world was becoming. So, you know, if you're new, you'll hear people talk about alcoholism as a progression. So that move which was very, you know, spontaneous, erratic, bad decision. You know, none of my friends thought it was a good idea. My family didn't think it was a good idea, but I had to do it. You know, I was 23, living on the West Coast in a really bad relationship. Um, but I was too ashamed to go home. So I moved to San, so I was in Oregon, moved to San Francisco. That went from like bad to worse. Um, and, you know, started having some some outside issues that I, you know, sought some help for. Um, but there, you know, and this this very kind um, and skilled, you know, mental health professional had started, you know, suggested, you know, well, you know, do you think that, you know, maybe you should cut back on drinking? Oh, no, 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 no. If you had the life that I had, if you had the experiences that I had, you would, you know you would need a drink too. And so really nobody could talk to me about that. Um, but I finally heard my best friend back in New York just say to me, why don't you come home? You sound miserable and, and you're scaring me. So went back home. New York is the answer. Moving back to New York will be the answer. That's going to be the thing that will make me feel better. Um, spoiler alert, like really everything that I was trying to do wasn't trying to stop drinking, but everything else I was trying, a new relationship, a new job, moving across the country, coming back, um, coming back home, being with my friends again, you know, that I grew up with. Um, that was a disaster because my friend, you know, at this point, I'm, you know, in my mid 20s and my friends are doing things like, you know, having serious relationships, like you know, moving in with their, um, some of them even got married and were doing things that I was just like in the back of my mind and in the pit of my stomach, I was like, I have no idea how they are doing that. How are they possibly doing that? 
And the reason I didn't know how they were doing it is because I just didn't even know who I was. I was a, I was a chameleon, you know, I was, I was just the life of the party, but that wears off really quickly. And then it's like, I'm going to be whoever you want me to be so that you'll love me. And, you know, drink alcohol was my higher power, you know, it was my solution to all my problems. It was the way that I could check out from however I was feeling. And I was feeling pretty bad. (laughs) I was feeling very bad. Um, But, you know, I was working for a company on the West Coast and they, you know, they transferred me um, to New York. So things worked out well. And I made, you know, a new group of friends at this job. And, and these people knew what they were doing, drinking wise. These were my people. I was like, okay, let's do this. And so um, that seemed like it was fun for a while until it, it wasn't because I was just getting older. My friends were doing like adult, you know, life things. I remember my, one of my college roommates, she, um, she wanted to come to the city. You know, I was living in Soho at the time. She wanted to come to the city um, for like a bachelorette party. So like we went out to dinner, it was just a couple of us. And we just stayed at, we, I like didn't plan anything special. We just did like a regular night that I was doing. She still talks about it. She's like, we were out, we went to all these places. We were out on the roof. She like made out with some guy. This is, she's just about to get married. And I'm like hooking her up with guys. Like, this is who I was. And I thought she was a sucker for, for getting married. Um, but again, inside, I was so, so deeply insecure and feeling like, just so, so broken. So I decided to go to grad school. <laughs> That's right. A new job. Yeah. A, let's, let's, you know, let's take out a $30,000 loan, get a grad school degree and change jobs. That's going to be the thing that'll make me feel better. Um, it did not work. Now it did put me in a new career that I felt, you know, really drawn to and, and moved to. But, um, but that actually was, I think in hindsight, a great decision because that sped me right to my bottom. So here's how that was. Um, I think it was two years after I'd made this career change, got the, you know, grad school degree and um, was suicidally depressed, um, chose bad relationship after bad relationship after bad relationship, older. Um, Now my coworkers, you know, are just like, nobody can really doesn't really want to like do me like meetings at work, you know, where I wanted to share my viewpoint about something. I was just, unless I was drinking, like I would, you know, we would go to happy hour and have a great time. And then, you know, Monday morning, what have you, like, I was just miserable sober. It got to the point where I was just miserable, miserable, unless I had a drink and that's not sustainable. And most people don't live like that. Most people don't want to go out drinking every single day after, after work. And so, um, so that's, that was, things were rapidly accelerating to my bottom. And I was like, okay, yeah, I feel really bad. So I'm going to see, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll see a therapist. I'll go back to therapy. That'll be the thing. And, you know, therapy did and still does help very much. Um, but the, but the problem was, is that I fundamentally could not see the root of my problem, which was alcohol and being an alcoholic. 
because I did not understand what an alcoholic was. I had these images of like, you know, movies from the forties, black and white. Um, I had people on both sides of my family who were alcoholics and they were like much older and, you know, um, drank very differently. You know, I was, you know, I was still sort of doing life. I was, I had a job and was paying some bills and, you know, stuff like that. So I didn't think that that pertained to me. My liver wasn't blown out, you know, like things that were like, oh, this, this can't be the problem. The problem is I'm depressed. The problem is I can't find the right relationship. I, you know, no one loves me, you know, I'm ugly, like whatever, the, whatever the thing is. And, um, and so I just grew more and more depressed, making bad choice after bad choice romantically. And because I admit that's, that was then my higher power. The relationship became the higher power. I'm going to do every single thing that I can in my power so that I don't. And because the older I got, I was like, I'm going to die alone. I'm going to die alone in my apartment in Brooklyn. And no one's going to even find me or know I'm there. I really want a boyfriend. I want like a partner. I want children. I was like, I want all these things. And I just don't know how to grow up. You know, I know how to have a job. I, you know, started working at an ice cream shop when I was 13. Like I've always known how to have a job, but that was really all I knew how to do or show up for. Um, and so, man, those, okay. So the last month, so, so I'll tell you about like, you know, the, the days leading up to the, the last day. I, um, a couple of weeks before that, I think I have my 15 minutes. Thank you. Um, so a few weeks before my last drink, um, my, my sibling who was also, we're, we're pretty close in age. We're about four and a half years apart, but we're like best, best friends. And I think when you have a sibling, another sibling with disabilities, you like whatever. I I love him to death. Um, so he had tried to help me on numerous occasions. I wouldn't listen. Um, cause we would party together, but then he was like, you're, I can't, you're, you're my big sister. Like what? <laughs> like you're not, I don't think you get it. Um, but he was scared and he said, um, and so I must've said something. I must've let it slip that I was suicidal because I was suicidal for a long time before I got sober. It was like going on months. I would think about every day, like, well, I was too, I was too um, scared to go through with it. But I was like, what if I, what if I get hit by a car? Like, and the thought would then be like, every, then I would show, everyone would be so upset. Like, I'm going to show them. It was just, I was insane. I was out of my mind. Um, so I saw a psychiatrist, talked to him, he gave me some, you know, some antidepressants. I started doing that because I, I did this for my my brother because I love him and he was scared. And for some reason, I heard him. So once I did that, though, I, so, of course, my question for the doctor was, can I drink on this medication? Because I, you know, I just need you to tell me how many drinks I can have. And he was like, wait, I just thought we we just had this discussion about how you you have depression. I'm, I'm you're here's your diagnosis alcohol is a depressant. I don't understand why you would want to drink that. Now, this doctor didn't really understand alcoholism either. Um, so he didn't get it. And I was like, okay, yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, I hear what you're saying. But um, um, having, he said, well, maybe you can have like two white wine spritzers. Who was this guy? Isn't that hilarious? Who drinks a white wine spritzer? spritzer? Um, I'll never forget. 
So I tried that. I tried, I didn't drink white wine spritzer. I almost did. I, I probably did. I don't remember. Um, you know, I tried that. I tried, so that that's controlled drinking, right? So I tried controlled drinking and it worked for a couple of weeks. But as my body was adjusting to this like antidepressant, you know, I started to have some side effects. So I started having like some, some issues with my sleep and with my appetite and, and stuff. And, and so, so two, if I had, and I kept trying to have more than two drinks and I couldn't, it felt like the whole room was spinning. I'll tell you the last weekend I was out there though. I, I threw it all out the window. I, I did the, I did the thing. I couldn't, I couldn't control it anymore. I like went out for a normal night, did all the things, did something disgusting that I was ashamed of that I didn't want to do, but I did it. And, um, and then at work the next day, there was like something, you know, important happening at work. There was an important, you know, uh, people were coming into my space to do a presentation. It was like my thing that I thought that was going to reflect on me. And I was so nervous about it that I didn't sleep at all. So I didn't sleep at all, went in, tried to like act like everything was cool. Wasn't cool. I started crying in front of everyone. Disaster. Got home from work, was so ashamed and devastated about my behavior at work that guess what? I didn't sleep a second night in a row. So then I snapped. Like I literally snapped. It's like my higher power just like scooped me right out of my life the way I was living it and was like, stop right there because I couldn't function. I, my brother came over. I have this hazy memory of like him coming over and being like, you can't go to work tomorrow. You haven't slept in two days. Um, and I was like, no, 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 I got to get there. And I tried sending an email and couldn't type the words. I was like, I hadn't slept, so I had lost cognitive ability. That scared me so badly. That's, that's, what the, that's, what my, that's what my bottom was. My moment of grace was that for, for that temporary loss of cognitive functioning, you know, um, I was like that. I, that, I'm not losing my, my ability for language or, or, you know, that this is serious. So my brother called my boss, said Jen's not coming in, called my mom. She came, they packed my bags somewhere in the middle of this. I like get out of my bed, you know, like Winnie the Pooh, no underwear, tank top, going to throw away all the, the booze, all the stuff, threw it all away. What was that? I'm someone who didn't even know I had a problem. Got rid of all of it, went to my mom's gratefully. Otherwise, it would have been a hospital for me and um, and detoxed at my mother's. And uh, 30 days later, approximately, I don't know, um, hadn't gone to AA yet. <laughs> so people have been in AA for a while, like, ooh, after 30 days, yikes, how you feeling? Um, Definitely feeling like a, a little better because I'm not like killing myself with with drugs and alcohol. Um, but my mom's driving me crazy. Like I can't, I'm an adult. I can't live here. So um, so I called a friend of a friend who was sober and asked her to take me to a meeting. 
And I didn't, you know, I only wanted to come to the meeting because I'm like, okay, these are some people who aren't drinking. I know that I can't drink because I got to take this psychiatrist direction seriously and I don't want to lose cognitive function, whatever. So that was my introduction to AA. Went to my first meeting. Don't remember one thing that was said, but I cried my eyes out because for the first time, it was like, I get it. This, this is where I belong. This is something I've been running away from for all these years. This is it. And, um, and so I have one sobriety date and, and that was, you know, and so, you know, relapse is not a part of my story. I'm grateful for all the people who have shared that they've had relapses because that story I just told you, I think that's my shot. I think that's my one shot at getting sober. I don't know if I could ever do what I did, you know, so I counted days. I did all the things that people told me to do, which was astonishing because you couldn't tell me anything before. Um, and now I'm a person who like takes instructions and, and wants to like fit, blend in. Like before it's like, I have to do everything to stand out. So like even at meetings, like big sunglasses, smoking cigarette, you know, like all that stuff. Um, but I did everything that was suggested. I got a sponsor. I got sober in Brooklyn. I went to meetings every day, sometimes twice a day. I was very fortunate that I was able to take some, use a bunch of sick days and like be home out of work for two months. So that's what I did every single day. I went to meetings. There was, there was no going back right back to work. Like I was, I was cooked. I was toast. Um, so, so, and, and I was scared. I was scared that I was going to pick up a drink. And so I did tons of meetings. Um, the woman who took me to my first meeting was my sponsor. Um, you know, I called her every day. I, I got to meetings early, stayed late, did all those things. Um, got the, got a coffee commitment. Um, we started doing step work together and, um, you know, and I just started doing all the things and I could not believe like a group of people who were perfect strangers to me were so welcoming, were so kind, listened to all my crazy garbage because <laughs> there was a lot of that um, when I was new and I think for a little while after that too. Um, but people were so kind and it was absolutely incredible. And so little by slowly, I was able to rebuild the pieces of my, of my life um, as a result of AA. And you know, so that was 16 years ago, right? So that's what I described. So, so what did it, what did it look like? You know, so, so my first sponsor, she got a boyfriend, she moved away. So like the, my first like three sponsors were like amazing, but they like moved and I had to get someone else. So I, I did, you know, work with a few different people. Nothing's wrong with that. Um, it just wasn't my experience. But then what ended up happening was that my, um, you know, when I had five years sober, some people in Brooklyn like to say like five years, you get your marbles back. And then I didn't know the part about like, it takes another five to get whatever. I don't, it doesn't matter. It's not in the big book. So who cares? Um, so my point was that five years sobriety, I was like, okay, so I do all these things and I'm like, feel like something's missing or something's a little off and I still don't have a lot of the things that I want, right? I don't have the the partner that I'm looking for. I really want a family. I don't like that's not happening. And so the 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 self-centeredness, the fear, the um 
thank you, five minutes. Um, it all started creeping back. And so what I needed to do, um, and my father died. So my father died and, um, and I was in a ton of pain and, um, I started working with a new sponsor. Actually, I think I had six, six years. Um, and the thing that really, you know, and, and she was a member, she, she is a member of this group. Um, not Linda, this, the one before Linda, um, sorry. Um, she helped me tremendously. So it was like with six years of sobriety, it was like, Oh, I have six years. She was like, well, do you do this? Do you, you know, have you been through the steps through out of the book? And I was like, yes, I have. And she's like, but what about this part? And I was like, not really. And it was like, Oh, I don't, Oh, I don't have, um, a daily practice, uh, spiritual practice. I don't have a relationship with a, with a higher power who today I choose to call God. So that was the thing. It was like, Oh, six years sober. Um, I'm, I'm really doing a ton of the fellowship, but my program was, was shaky. And so I, um, you know, went through the, the program as it's laid out in, in the book and, uh, and my life started to change and thank God I did it because, you know, right around that time I, I did meet the, I did meet the guy, um, the right guy, the good, you know, the guy who I'm supposed to be with, who was appropriate and, you know, all that. And, um, you know, we started to try to have a family and, um, and we're having, a, I was having a lot of trouble in that, in that area. And so, um, you know, uh, five years of, of fertility treatment and, you know, four miscarriages and, you know, lots and lots of like in, ex, indescribable pain and, um, my higher power. Thank you. Um, like, there's no way I would still be sober today. There was a point in my life where I was like, oh, if I ever can't have children, I'm going to throw myself off a bridge. And you know what? Um, I didn't, not only did I not do that, but I was able to, um, grow through it. Um, you know, have like a really healthy, uh, beautiful marriage. Um, we're, we're, you know, we're just like navigating that. And, um, and, you know, and I did need to change sponsors again because I needed to, um, get even deeper. I was, I was in a lot of pain. I, you know, uh, sought some other professional help for that. And so the message I, sh I only share that because it's like, that was the thing that I really never thought that I was going to be able to get through, like losing death of a parent. Um, you know, there were, there are things that like when I was newer, I would have in the back of my head was like, if this ever happens, I'm out of here. Um, or, or what have you. And like that, that just has not been the case. And Another thing, you know, so, so going through the steps, um, with, you know, with, with a lot of rigor and then also, you know, sponsorship. So I have, you know, I started sponsoring other women when I think I was like two or three years, but like for the past 10 years, solid consistently, I have been, you know, taking another alcoholic through, through the book and through the steps and honest to God, like that is the thing that, um, you know, really, really keeps me going. Um, I, I was able to um, connect with a woman over, you know, this virtual platform recently. And so I'm reading, you know, the book, book with her now. And, and what that has given me is, I mean, it, it, it's everything. Um, you know, I told you a lot, I, I focused a lot on like what, you know, what happened and what I was like. And, you know, Jen, with none of that stuff, it's like life is so painful. 
and there have been, you know, really difficult, thank you, one minute, um, really, really difficult life on life's terms circumstances. I didn't even tell you all of them. Like there's been a bunch, but um, I, you know, I need you, I need AA, I need, I need my higher power because every day I just try to surrender, you know, in my, my prayer, my morning prayer and meditation, I try to ask my higher power, please help me stay out of my own way. Please help me to not think about myself, right? Please, you know, help me to always reach my hand out to someone else who is struggling. It always works. You may be hearing that a lot. Oh, go help someone else. It works. If it doesn't make sense, that's okay. All of the things that didn't make sense to me in AA, sometimes still, it's like, you know, Linda's like, try this. And I'm like, oh, it's like rocket science. It works. It just works. I don't know why it does. If you're new, stick around. Um, if you're not new or you are new and nothing I said resonates with you, that's totally okay. I don't speak for AA. I'm just here to tell my own experience. And um, I'm tremendously grateful. And thank you for having me. And that's it.